0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today I want to ask you first a question. If someone was going to ask you, what is the difference between Christianity and all the other religions? What makes this one more true than other faiths? And so a good answer to that is, what are the chances that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament. What are the chances? There's over 300 prophecies, and not just the prophecies themselves, but events, actual historical events, which it could be thousands of little events, all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. What is the chances of that? The answer to that would be like, one in 10 quatillion times 10 quatillion, it would be like taking a quarter and flipping it on heads. Trillions and trillions and trillions of times it would have to land on heads. Those are the mathematical chances that Jesus could have fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. So basically, it's impossible, right? No other religion, no other faith does that, right? The actual events that were prophesied are fulfilled in Jesus. So future events actually came true and so, I want to explain a little bit about this. So, today, we have John. He says something which is really a key to unlocking the whole Old Testament. So, John is the last prophet, and he speaks new revelation to us. And so, he says something very critical. He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so that is mind-blowing, that is shocking, that John could be saying a person is the Lamb of God, a person, right? No one ever believed the Messiah was going to be the Lamb of God. And so where do we get this? Where does John get this? Obviously, God is revealing it to him, but I want to share some Old Testament stories that if you're not familiar with, that really show that our our Bible is literally a miracle. So first, one of the first places, not the first one, but one of the first places where it talks about a lamb. So Abraham asks, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his only beloved son Isaac. Hopefully you know the story. So Abraham and Isaac are walking up Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, and Isaac, he's about teenager, he's about a teenager at this time he's carrying wood on his shoulders and he looks at his father Abraham and says where's the lamb for the sacrifice and, and Abraham says to his son God will provide a lamb for the sacrifice, God is going to provide the lamb And so, but he doesn't know that God has asked Abraham to sacrifice him, he doesn't know that Uh, He doesn't know that and if you ever hear a voice that says sacrifice your child, please see a therapist by the way, um, don't do that, Um, we know that God does not want you to do that. So God is telling Abraham to sacrifice his son and Abraham's response is, okay, I will do whatever you ask, behold, here I am, I will do what you ask. And so look at the imagery between Isaac and Jesus. First, Abraham says, God says to Abraham, sacrifice your most beloved son. Who is God the Father's beloved Son? Jesus, right? Isaac is carrying wood up a mountain on Jerusalem. What does Jesus carry on his shoulders? Wood, a cross, up a mountain, okay? Then, when Abraham is about to sacrifice him, he says, because you're willing to do this and Isaac doesn't fight back, there's no indication Isaac fights back, just like Jesus doesn't fight back. And he's about to slay Isaac, and he says, No, stop. Because of what you're willing to do, I'm going to bless all the nations because of you are willing to give up your son. And so ultimately, there is no lamb in the whole scene. There is no lamb, even though Abraham says, God's going to provide a lamb. Then what happens? There's a ram. They find a ram that's right there, and there's a, a crown of thorns all wrapped around the ram. And the ram represents a king because a ram is a symbol for a king. And he's wrapped in thorns, okay? So who is that typology? That would be Jesus. Jesus is the king that's going to be sacrificed and there's thorns wrapped around him. And Jesus also will be sacrificed on, sacrifice himself on a mountain in Jerusalem. So you can see, during that time, no one ever believed that that was about the Messiah. No one even knew. So 2,000 years before Jesus, no one even knows that that's about Jesus. So I would say, how is that even possible? That a detailed story about the Messiah, he's going to be crowned with thorns, he's going to die in Jerusalem, 2,000 years before Jesus even comes. Is that possible? I would say no. What religion does stuff like that? And I would say, not only is it there, it's written in hundreds, if not thousands of places all over the Old Testament, Jesus is hidden in the Old Testament even far more detailed than that, right? And so I bring that up because when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus and he saw two disciples after he had died and rose from the dead and they didn't know he was risen, they were walking around very sad. They were like, and he goes up to them, Jesus goes up to them, and he's like, what's wrong? Why are you guys downcast? Why are you sad? And he said to, they said to him, we thought that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, that he was going to be the Savior, but he died on a cross. So they don't even expect him to die on a cross. They don't even know what it means. And Jesus says to them, slow of heart are you to believe all that was written about me in the prophets. And so Jesus opened up to them, the Old Testament, and said, and showed them everything that was written about him that he was to suffer and to die and to rise for them. And it says their hearts were burning inside of them when Jesus did this. So sometimes when we're struggling with our faith, one way Jesus expects us to believe is that if you look at the Old Testament, these things are impossible. If you look at the beauty of the Old Testament, Everything God is doing is about Jesus. Everything. Everything, everything, everything. And so it's important that if we're struggling with our faith, we could sometimes be like downcast, like those two um, disciples who are walking to Emmaus. Because I don't see always the joy that's coming from knowing that Jesus has fulfilled all the prophecies, right? And that should bring us tremendous joy. Today we saw Andrew... And Andrew, when, when John says, this is the Lamb of God, he doesn't know what that even means. He knows it must mean something, that he's pure, that maybe he's the Messiah. And he stays, with, he stays with Jesus, and then he stays with him for the day, and then he realizes this is the Messiah, and what does he do? Immediately, he goes looking for his brother, Simon, because he's like, we found him. We found the Messiah. And so I don't think sometimes we realize the joy of that in our own life because we kind of take it for granted. Like, I was born Catholic. I believe in Jesus. I was taught that in my first catechism lesson. Okay, I have a cross since my first bat- my baptism. You know, I've been told. But the excitement of Jesus doing all of this should excite us and really cause our hearts to burn, saying, wow, Jesus you are fulfilling the whole old testament. So sometimes when we want to realize there's more to that, um, I was going to explain to you, maybe I will explain to you, let's just let's just go over another another place another place. So one other, one other place that we should know about. 500 years after Moses was going sacri- to um, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son, God asks Moses in the 10th plague of Egypt, he says, I want you to sacrifice a lamb. It has to be perfect. Not a bone of it can be broken. And you must eat the lamb or I will kill every firstborn child of Israel. And they do this and immediately they leave Egypt and they, go, they leave the land of sin and they go to, Holy land, to the Holy Land. They're going to the Holy Land when he does this. What does Jesus do? He says, I'm the Lamb of God. You must eat my flesh unless there's no life in you. And my body and blood is leading you to the new holy land. Out of the land of sin to the kingdom of God. So you can see how thousands and thousands of years, even in Genesis all over, God is literally saying to you and me, I'm giving you the Eucharist and it's taking you to heaven. And I am the Lamb of God and I'm going to feed you with my flesh. That is a mir- That's impossible. No one would have ever known that the Lamb in, in the Exodus was about Jesus. The entire Exodus story is about Jesus. And so, the chances of that is impossible. The Bible is written by 40 different people, and the reason why you know it's true is because it's not written by one author. If the Bible was written by one person, you could say he knows the beginning, he knows the middle, and he knows the end. But because it's written by 40 people, they don't even know what they're writing, they don't even know what it means what they're writing. And even the Pharisees and the scribes don't even know what these events even mean. And so that's why when John says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that is mind-blowing. That is the key to understanding who Jesus is. And so that should bring us great joy when we're struggling in our faith and saying, Well, where is God? Because you can't just base God on personal experiences. Oh, I experienced God in prayer. Because that's subjective. Like, even if I shared to you a personal experience, I experienced Jesus in the Eucharist. But that's subjective to my personal experience, right? So you have to test the Spirit. Not everyone's encounter with what they think is God at times is God. And so how do we know Jesus is the truth? Well, one way you could say is that he fulfilled all the prophets, and that's how Jesus actually expects all of us to believe in him. And so that's why when we don't even know who the prophets are, we don't even know what they wrote, of course, our faith is going to be like weak, right? Because Jesus actually expects us to know that. And so today, let's pray and examine and think this new year, as we've been, me and Father Pierre and everyone has been challenged, everyone to read the Bible this year. Because when we do that, you will really know who Jesus Christ is. And when you receive him in the Eucharist, you can truly say amen. So, whenever the Eucharist minister, by the way, I've been meaning to say this, whenever the Eucharist minister or the priest says, the body of Christ, what do we say? Amen. Usually I don't hear people. People are nodding or people are just like, you know, you know. We want to say amen, and we can't know who it is that we are receiving unless we know the word of God, so that when I say amen, I say, Jesus, I know you. I know what you've done for me. I know you are the Lamb of God. I know you are the Savior. So let's pray today, asking Jesus to give us greater faith in everything that he's done for us. Amen.